I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of faith on our daily lives, so that together we can prepare to live outside the walls. Boy, do I have a show for you today. Oh, gracious, we've got a great show. We're going to be talking with Dale Alquist, who is the president and co-founder of the American Chesterton Society. We're going to be looking at the scandal, the, uh, the, the outrage over Cecil the lion, and the lack of outrage over the Planned Parenthood videos that have been coming out over the last few weeks. Uh, you listen to the show any length of time, you know that generally we don't really look at news stories of the day, and there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, one of them is because this is a weekend show, and by the time we get the, the interviews lined up and we uh, kind of get ahead of the curve, well, the news has already passed, specifically in this 24-hour news cycle world in which we live. But because of the ongoing nature of this particular story, uh, and a, just an excellent article that Dale Alquist published in Crisis Magazine. So we're going to go ahead and address the topic. Now, this show is pre-recorded because as we speak, I am in Wichita, Kansas at the Midwest Catholic Family Conference. Maybe you are too. Well, the good news is you can still catch the show on our podcast. Uh, we are now podcast. You can find us in the iTunes store. And if you have some other kind of podcast aggregator, you can find our feed at outsidethewalls.podbean.com. Of course, if you're still in the area, well, then, of course, I want you to tune in to your local radio station uh, to hear us as we air there. So whether you're in the car or your favorite chair, let's go ahead and start off this time together in prayer. Christ had compassion on the hungry and performed a miracle of love for them. Mindful of this, let us pray. Show us your love, Lord. Lord, we recognize that all favors we have received today come through your generosity. Do not let them return to you empty, but let them bear fruit. Light and salvation of all nations, protect the missionaries you have sent into the world. Enkindle in them the fire of your spirit. Grant that man may shape the world in keeping with human dignity and respond generously to the needs of our time. Healer of body and spirit, comfort the sick and be present to the dying. In your mercy, visit and refresh us. May the faithful departed be numbered among the saints whose names are in the book of life. Show us your love, Lord. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Almighty and ever-living God, your Spirit made us your children. Confident to call you Father, increase your Spirit within us and bring us to our promised inheritance. Help us to be like him in word and deed. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Today's first reading comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. Moses said to the people, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Therefore you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. Take to heart these words which I enjoin on you today. 
drill them into your children. Speak of them at home and abroad, whether you are busy or at rest. Bind them at your wrist as a sign. Let them be as a pendant on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give you, a land with fine, large cities that you did not build, with houses full of goods of all sorts that you did not garner, with cisterns that you did not dig, with vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when, therefore, you eat your fill, take care not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that place of slavery. The Lord your God shall you fear, him shall you serve, and by his name shall you swear. That reading comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. Today's responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 18. I love you, Lord, my strength. I love you, O Lord, my strength. O Lord, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. I love you, Lord, my strength. My God, my rock of refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Praise be the Lord, I exclaim, and I am safe from my enemies. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord live, and blessed be my rock. Extolled be God, my Savior. You who gave great victories to your king, who showed kindness to your anointed, to David and his posterity forever. I love you, Lord, my strength. Today's gospel comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 17. A man came up to Jesus, knelt down before him, and said, Lord, have pity on my son, who is a lunatic and suffers severely. Often he falls into the fire and often into water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Jesus said in reply, O faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I endure you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and from that hour the boy was cured. Then the disciples approached Jesus in private and said, Why could we not drive it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. Amen, I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. That reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17. How often are we like the disciples? Uh, looking at this issue of the Planned Parenthood videos that come out and, and coming up on 40 Days for Life, of course, uh, this whole issue of abortion is something that, that occupies a lot of my thoughts and a lot of my time. And we scheme and we have, you know, letter writing campaigns and calling our senators and political wranglings and any number of other ideas that we have to try and bring about the change. And, and I picture the disciples with this young boy praying and trying to cast out this demon uh, with, with our own understanding and our own striving and maybe even our, our trust in Christ, but just our own trust in Christ and having faith not so much that Christ will do it, but that we can do it because we know Christ. And there's, you know, there's something lacking in that. And I think of, uh, you know, Jesus comes to them and, they, and just with a word, 
casts the demon out. And so the disciples come and said, why, why were we unable to do that? And, and he responds that, uh, that we have little faith. So then the question is, how do you get faith? Because faith is a gift from God. How do you get faith? And the scripture tells us, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, in my Protestant days, I would have said that the Word of God is Scripture, and so you need to go and read Scripture, and that will be enough, and that, that intellectual pursuit will get you what you need to have faith, and then, then that faith will accomplish those great things. And yet, uh, the Catholic Church has a different perspective. In the, uh, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it says this, Through all the words of sacred Scripture, God speaks only one single word, His one utterance, in whom he expresses himself completely. You recall that one and the same word of God extends throughout Scripture, that it is one and the same utterance that resounds in the mouths of all the sacred writers, since he who is in the beginning God, with God, has no need of separate syllables, for he is not subject to time. You see, the word of God is Jesus Christ. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We hear Jesus Christ. Of course, we do find Jesus Christ in Scripture, and we can hear his voice in Scripture, but we can find his voice elsewhere, and we can listen to him elsewhere by approaching him intimately, holding nothing back, coming into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ through Scripture, through prayer, through approaching the Eucharist, through approaching Christ in the Eucharist, through adoration. All of these things deepen our relationship with Jesus and bring us to a place where we become not just hearers of the word, but doers also. Uh, And when we are in intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, just as the apostles were, then we come to a place where we can be effective. And we're going to be reading about that today in our reading from church history. Today's reading comes from a treatise on Christian perfection by St. Gregory of Nyssa. He is our peace, for he has made both one. Since we think of Christ as our peace, we may call ourselves true Christians only if our lives express Christ by our own peace. As the apostle says, he has put enmity to death. We must never allow it to be rekindled in us in any way, but must declare that it is absolutely dead. Gloriously has God slain enmity in order to save us. May we never risk the life of our souls by being resentful or by bearing grudges. We must not awaken that enmity or call it back to life by our wickedness, for it is better left dead. No, since we possess Christ who is peace, we must put an end to this enmity and live as we believe he lived. He broke down the separating wall, uniting what was divided, bringing about peace by reconciling in his single person those who disagreed. In the same way, we must be reconciled not only to those who attack us from the outside, but also with those who stir up dissension within. Flesh, then, will no longer be opposed to the Spirit, nor the Spirit to the flesh, Once we subject the wisdom of the flesh to God's law, we shall be recreated as one single man at peace. Then, having becoming one instead of two, we shall have peace within ourselves. Now, peace is defined as harmony among those who are divided. 
When, therefore, we end that civil war within our nature and cultivate peace within ourselves, we become peace. By this peace, we demonstrate that the name of Christ which we bear is authentic and appropriate. When we consider that Christ is the true light, having nothing in common with deceit, we learn that our own life must also shine with the rays of that true light. Now these rays of the Son of Justice are the virtues which pour out to enlighten us, so that we may put away the works of darkness and walk honorably as in broad daylight. When we reject the deeds of darkness and do everything in the light of day, we become light, and as light should, we give light to others by our actions. If we truly think of Christ as our source of holiness, we shall refrain from anything wicked or impure in thought or act, and thus show ourselves to be worthy bearers of his name. For the quality of holiness is shown not by what we say, but by what we do in life. That reading comes from St. Gregory of Nyssa from a treatise on Christian perfection. And how often do we say all the right things? You know, we've got social media activism where we put in our hashtag and, and we say that we've done our due diligence because we've spoken it out loud, but what have we done? Did we just do it from our chair or did we get involved? Did we just... Uh, talk about caring for the poor in our debates or have we actually gone out and cared for the poor? Have we given to those in need? Have you given time and treasure and talent to a place like Catholic Charities or to a benevolence ministry in your own parish? What have you done to put action to your words? Because our faith must be exemplified and is most clearly shown by the works that we do through our faith in Jesus Christ. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Dale Alquist. He is the president and co-founder of the American Chesterton Society. We're going to be talking about this very issue of our response uh, to grave injustices. Later in the show, we're also going to be giving away his brand new book, so you're going to want to stick around the whole time. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Glad you stuck through the break. We've got a great show for you today. We are talking with Dale Alquist, one of the most respected G.K. Chesterton scholars in the world. He's also the president and co-founder of the American Chesterton Society. We're talking to him about the lack of outrage we've seen over the Planned Parenthood videos in relationship to the uproar, pun intended, uh, over the Cecil the Lion scandal recently. So, Dale, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We appreciate having you here. It's a great pleasure, Timothy. Thanks for inviting me. So, Dale, you wrote just uh, this last week, I think, a, a very salient article uh, comparing the Cecil the Lion uproar to the lack of uproar that we've seen from all of these undercover videos that have come out about Planned Parenthood. It was published in Crisis Magazine 
and it's called uh, The Lion Sleeps Tonight, I think. Is that correct? That is correct. So uh, for those of you who are listening, I'll, I'll put a link to that up on our social media. And we want you to join this conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. And our Twitter handle is at outside the walls. Uh, go read that article. We'll put a link up there and then weigh in with your thoughts. Uh, but right now, uh, Dale, I want to know what, what your thoughts are about this. And there's a, a specific line in there uh, that really I had to just sit with for a while and contemplate and, and see, you know, test, a, test it and see if it was true. Uh, and it comes from the book, uh, kind of a collected essays called The Use of Diversity. Uh, and he says that uh, wherever, animal, wherever there's animal worship, there's human sacrifice. Kind of unpack that for us a little bit. Yes, well, I can tell you that the uh, the article that I wrote for Crisis um, was really all built around that one sentence from G.K. Chesterton because when I watched what was happening with the uh, just unbelievable revelations coming from Planned Parenthood and, and what they were doing, uh, as if abortion itself isn't horrible enough already, mm-hmm. what Planned Parenthood has been doing... Uh, just profiting uh, at it, and then, and then actually profiting specifically from selling parts of the babies, mm-hmm. um, and just being so really cold and calculated about it. Uh, this should have been the scandal that should have caused such an outpouring of outrage uh, in our country that that should have just shut down every abortion clinic. And, you know, the the people who had been supporting it really should at least shut down Planned Parenthood, whatever they whatever else <laughs> right. their their their, their uh, philosophy is, because this was this is, you know, beyond the ethical um, and, and, you know, should be just criminal. But it, 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 the, the, it was a lack of outrage that just struck me. And then the contrast of the amazing veins popping out of the neck over the shooting of this lion in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, this very remote single event um, caused so much more uh, media outrage from, from celebrities and, uh, you know, talk show hosts and, and the rest, just uh, e- emotional uh, outpouring over, over this uh, this event that they thought was the worst thing that could have ever happened. Uh, how could something so terrible happen? And right. whatever, whatever your feelings are about big game hunting, whatever your feelings are about um, the way that this lion was shot, uh, it still, it still cannot even uh, begin to compare with what is being done with these with these babies. I've and, seen... uh, and what struck me was immediately what came to mind was this line from G.K. Chesterton. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you have to understand I'm someone who's been studying Chesterton for a long time. I have quite a uh, repository of Chesterton quotes <laughs> just in my head because uh, I give a lot of talks on Chesterton. I'm interviewed on him. There's always a good line from Chesterton that seems to nail um, Whatever the current situation is, but I could not have imagined that Chesterton could have come up with a better line, more prophetic, more pertinent than when he says, mm-hmm. wherever you have animal uh, worship, you will have human sacrifice. And uh, to, to take it apart, to answer your question, Timothy, how, what, what is he talking about? He's talking about this, this 
wrong perspective that we have towards towards nature mm-hmm. that is really a result of a loss of you know a proper perspective towards god himself we we've replaced uh, god with nature and we have a higher reverence for nature than we do for god and uh consequently chesterton says wherever you have uh nature worship things become unnatural uh because that's that's not the our, nature is not our creator right and and we start uh doing abnormal things uh in reference to nature that are really not human anymore and not civilized anymore and uh it couldn't be more uh you know the, the epitome of it i think is is when we we start uh sacrificing our own our own children to uh to this yeah. really vague and amorphous thing that is nature you know i i find chesterton just in general fascinating because he seems like he belongs uh, as a a commentator for our age uh and and not for for the 20s where where he uh, was set in history uh, so much of what he says is very much a commentary on on what we are currently experiencing so maybe we're just a little bit further down the line and he was being prophetic or maybe there's just not all that much difference in our society and his well i i think uh, i first of all i totally agree with that observation i think it is sort of a combination of both i think that things haven't changed in some ways that um it's the same principal problems that uh, are affecting us and and the same solutions to those problems are, are available to us but i also think that chesterton had a prophetic insight in that he saw the road that we were on and he saw where it could lead and he was sort of warning us against it um because he could see what what the consequences of our actions and of our bad philosophies were and and so that's why it's so pertinent when he when he sees things like that and says them and you realize boy he called that exactly yeah. right now chesterton was not uh not a, a very good friend of the politician the professional politician and, and i i have to wonder if that may be something that we need to take a look at as well in the midst of this because you know just this last week we had the the senate uh vote on defunding planned parenthood and of course they weren't able to overcome uh, the 60 number that they needed for that majority. And it just seems like a whole bunch of political posturing. Uh, <laughs> we've got a, a lady here in the Oklahoma area, uh, Re- former Representative Rebecca Hamilton, who was a pro-life Democrat uh, for many, many years. And she's now a blogger on the Pathios Network. And she spent a lot of time just kind of trying to open eyes about the the level of political theater that this all becomes. Uh and so the question is, and you address it just a little bit at the end of your article, uh, but what are we to look to uh, to bring about a, a return to uh, moral principles and a return maybe even to sanity uh, when, when we do see this kind of outrage uh, over a lion and almost crickets, complete silence when it comes to something that, that seems to be so deeply a moral issue touching to the very dignity of the human person. Where are we to turn uh, when the politicians fail us, and and yet we still need to see that that redemption in society? Well, you're absolutely right when you say that Chesterton was no friend of the politicians, in that he he certainly never uh, trusted political 
solutions to the societal problems. He he realized that uh, as soon as you have a representative government, the first thing it does is it stops representing. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, he he really did believe uh, in people. Um, you know, taking control of these major decisions themselves. He believed in local government, uh, a truly democratic, uh, small-D government where people are directly ruling and directly um, controlling the decisions that most directly affect them. And, you know, that's the Catholic principle of subsidiarity. Yeah, and, keeping, uh, keeping the politician near enough to kick them, I think is what he's Exactly saying. right. Yeah, as a Chesterton like, always keep the politician near enough to kick him. And um, and and so uh, he, he was actually one. He and his his brother were were instrumental in exposing the corruption of politicians in the uh, the nineteen teens. Uh, mm-hmm. Something that was just shocked the British public because they just assumed that you know the politicians were there taking care of them. They tr- they had great public trust, and they did didn't realize that these people were selling themselves out and uh and they helped expose a lot of this corruption and and Chesterton's great friend Hilaire Belloc um actually ran for parliament and was elected but uh did not want to be reelected because he was so uh, you know alienated by the fact that nothing could get done <laughs> they couldn't accomplish anything yeah. in in parliament and uh it, it was it was a very uh disoriented uh, feeling that, that he thought he could actually do something and then realized he, he was powerless, uh, even even in a position of uh, power. Mm-hmm. And and really it was, uh, it, it is a self-perpetuating problem that we, that we have with our elected representatives. They, they are only seeking to be reelected and not really accomplish anything. And, uh, and so, yeah, the solutions actually always begin with, with ourselves. Uh, we have to first take care of our own souls. Mm-hmm. We have to take care of our families. And we start to have an effect on our neighbors around us by by being lights around us. And it all it all begins, I said in my article, it all begins with repentance. We we don't accomplish anything uh in terms of turning around a society until we repent of our sins. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, there's there's this sense of uh you know, professionalism. We're going to let the professionals handle this problem and we'll, you know, maybe talk about it around the dinner table. We'll maybe we'll mention it on social media. Uh, but for the most part, this is the job for the, that nonprofit over there that handles this and for that, that organization over there and for Catholic charities and for the priests and, and not something that, that I myself really need to get involved with. But there are so many ways that you can get involved. Uh, There are pregnancy resource centers in your area that help young women who are facing an unplanned pregnancy, giving them the resources they need to keep that child, Uh, providing financial and material assistance as well as spiritual support. You can get involved in 40 Days for Life, which is just right around the corner in your area, no matter where your area is, going out daily, weekly, and praying for those who are facing these difficult circumstances. Maybe they don't know how uh, how to proceed. Well, we're coming up on a break. We're going to continue this conversation just on the other side with Dale Alquist, who is the president and co-founder of the American Chesterton Society. Later in the show, we're going to give away his new book, so you're not going to want to miss it. Stick around. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. I'm glad you stuck through the break. We're talking today with Dale Alquist. He is the president and co-founder of the American Chesterton Society, always with a quick quip from G.K. Chesterton, one of the, uh, the great conversationalists and apologetics of the Catholic Church in the early 20th century. Uh, and just grateful to have you on the show today, Dale. Thanks for being here. Uh, again, it's a great pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much. So we're talking about this dichotomy of outrage, the the outrage that we see over Cecil the Lion, uh, hashtag, hashtag Cecil the Lion, uh, and over the, the Planned Parenthood scandal, which is just one in, in a myriad of scandals that they've had throughout time because they're based on immoral practice, on denying the dignity of the human person, really getting into some equivocation there because they talk about it being about the choice and the dignity of a woman all the while denying the dignity of another. And that's where we have our, our issue. It's not that that the mother, that the frightened mother, that the, the unexpected mother uh, has a lack of dignity, but rather that she is carrying uh, a life of immeasurable dignity as well. And so that lo- that loss of dignity in the human person and the the increase that we give in the uh, in the in, in nature. And one of the other things you put up in your article was uh, majoring on minor morality and minoring on major morality. Right. Yeah. He says if there's anything worse than the uh, the the weakening of major morals, it's the strengthening of minor morals and. And that's that's sort of what's happened. We we have uh, completely turned a blind eye to to the uh, the, the tor- horrible sin of of abortion, and we are focusing all of our our uh, moral outrage at at really what's minor in the scheme of things. Uh, the the ethical questions around hunting big game. Right. Now, I, I know that, you know, some of us are sitting here and listening and thinking, well, yeah, of course, all those people in the media, they're, they're minoring on, they're, they're, they're strengthening minor morals, uh, but not me because I am sufficiently outraged about this. I, and yet I think that most of us do just kind of treat abortion as if it is the unchangeable monolith in our society. Uh, and so, there's not a lot of action. We trust uh, we trust people like Forty Days for Life, that organization, to to take care of this, or the Lila Roses, or uh, you know, life organizations that have been around for many many years. Uh, we expect that they're going to take care of this, uh, and and so we don't really have to do anything. We just sit back and shake our heads and say, "Oh yes, that really is a tragedy." Yeah, there, there's a problem I think with, with America in general, and and Catholics in America have succumbed to it, and and that is just, we're all very passive. We're all armchair quarterbacks, uh, and we we've made politics along with sports uh, and and really social reform a spectator sport. It's something that we just sit around and discuss and reflect on without doing anything ourselves. And Chesterton uh, I think is very important uh, in pointing out that the more passive we become, really the more slaves that we, that we become. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says it's, it's a sign of decadence when we have someone else, when we, when we pay a professional to fight for us, when we pay a professional to dance for us, mm-hmm. and when we pay a professional to rule us. And really what we're doing now is we're also paying professionals to think for us as well, uh, because thinking is probably the, 
the hardest work to do, and if we can avoid it, we will. Uh, and and this just general laziness uh, and, and passivity has, has set in so that we really are no longer in control of our lives, and we're very unhappy as a result. And we, we do a lot of complaining, but we don't do much else. There's also this sense, that, you know, social media connects us all, and so if I have uh, tweeted out my hashtags, uh, <laughs> then, then I have sufficiently been an activist uh, and I've sufficient, I've done my part for the cause because I put hashtag PP sells baby parts, right? Uh, so how, how do we, how do we counter that? How do we go from, uh, this awareness activism, which really only goes to the people who are generally like-minded with us. Uh, so kind of a preaching to the choir, a rallying of the troops to do nothing, uh, to getting into a place where we can actually affect change. Well, uh, you know, it starts by, of course, living, living out the Catholic life to its fullness. Um, we, uh, I think one of our great dangers is, is we become worldly and we cannot. We have to uh, be true to the teachings of the Church, and that means by taking care of our families, we educate our families, we, we raise up our children in the faith, and we, we celebrate a, a, a pro-life culture by creating a lot of life. We, we need to have children like we were called to do. I think um, one of the great uh, plagues on the, on the, the church of, of you know, American Catholics and Western Catholics is they stopped having children. And uh, you know, that's, that's how we transform the society, by, by making more Catholics mm-hmm. and uh, you know, living out our, our teachings. Um, if we want to be pro-life, let's have children. Let's be willing to adopt children that uh, that are unwanted by others, and uh, and and be willing to find ways to take care of of those children as well as well as those mothers um, that are in in those crisis pregnancies uh, to pr- to provide the love and the welcoming of the of the church to those people. But but it also you know in the rest of our lives too, Chesterton uh, really started seeing that the problem began when we started accepting divorce. Mm-hmm. He said divorce was, was going to be the downfall of the family. And uh, he says as soon as, as soon as the family loses its place in society, there's only one thing that will replace it. And he says that's the state. Yep. And the state will rush in and really perform all the functions of the family. But if we don't have strong families and take care of our families... Yeah, then we really do become slaves uh, to to what the state wants to do to us. There was this documentary a few years back about punk rockers who became uh, fathers, <laughs> and how they adjusted to that. And one of the one of the musicians said this line that that we use at at our marriage preparation programs that we run, and it's maybe the way we change the world is by raising better kids. <laughs> well, that's it. And uh, it also means, you know, we, we take control of our kids' education. That, mm-hmm. you know, even if we're in a position where we uh, have no other choice but to send our, our children to the public school, we have to still be in control of their education. Yeah. Uh, we have to make the school boards and the teachers accountable to us, and we can't let them drive a wedge between us and our children. But for the most part, we need to, to keep our kids out of the public school because there is a philosophy that is being taught to them and forming their minds that is totally counter to Catholic teaching. Uh, and you know, one of the things that I've been involved with, Timothy, is I've, I've started a, a school, Chesterton Academy, that has turned into a network of schools. And it's parents you know, really taking control of their kids' education and giving them 
um, giving them not only the faith, but, but the whole traditional classical Western thinking that has been totally uh, 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 degenerated and uh, you know, that has just crumbled uh, in terms of modern education. And again, these ideas came from the prophetic Chesterton, who right. who warned that uh, you know our children in our schools today are being exposed to educational ideas that are younger than they are. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's you know he just has a way with words. He does. He so does. the the classical model has been something that that's come up a lot lately. Uh, you know, there's several different programs out there all around. Uh, for homeschool families that do the classical model, how would someone get more information about the classical model that you are running? Well, they should uh, contact us through uh, our, our two websites, one, Chesterton.org, uh, which is the American Chesterton Society, and that's, that's to learn more about Chesterton and his uh, prophetic ideas and the work that we do. But then also visit ChestertonAcademy.org. All right, ChestertonAcademy.org. Now, uh, you know, Chesterton is a sometimes very difficult to get into, very difficult to read. Uh, and other times he just synthesizes very difficult parts in very simple language. So just uh, what would you recommend to someone who's never read Chesterton before uh, and they want to pick up something that, that they're going to come away with and really get a sense for the genius that he was? Well, I, I used to have a hard time answering that because every time I recommended a, a Chesterton book, I always would hope that they had read this other Chesterton book before that one. <laughs> uh, but I, what I did then, Timothy, was I, I wrote a book. I, I wrote an introductory book to Chesterton, and, and just in case that one didn't make, make it to the door um, and the limo driver didn't show up, uh, I wrote a second book as well. So I, I have two, two really uh, good introductory books to Chesterton that are largely letting Chesterton speak for himself, but but I kind of introduce the reader to his style of writing and to his main ideas. And one of them is called The Apostle of Common Sense, and the other one is called um, Common Sense 101 Lessons from G.K. Chesterton. And they, they are both... Uh, uh, they complement each other nicely. They don't really overlap. So either of those are I, I, are the books I recommend for first-time readers for, for G.K. Chesterton. The Apostle of Common Sense and Common Sense 101, Lessons from G.K. Chesterton. And those are both available at our website, uh, chesterton.org. My first introduction to G.K. Chesterton was through the Chesterton Society in Oklahoma City, sitting up in uh, McNelly's Pub, and we were reading uh, the essay on cheese, <laughs> and it's it's just amazing the the uh, the lack of uh, ancient poetry dealing with the subject of cheese. So, uh, <laughs> of course, there aren't many topics that Chesterton won't weigh in on, uh, and you can learn more about Chesterton by going to chesterton.org. Today we're talking with Dale Alquist, who is the co-founder and president of the American Chesterton Society. We've been talking about a, a range of topics, but started off talking about the Planned Parenthood scandal and the Cecil the Lion scandal, the uproar being uh, maybe disproportionate. Of course, when we come back, we're going to be giving away Dale Alquist's new book, All Roads, Roman Catholic Apologetics. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Stick around.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. It's time to give something away. We're talking with Dale Alquist, co-founder and president of the American Chesterton Society, uh, eminent Chesterton scholar, uh, and glad to have you. You're a convert like like I am. You came in. Uh, what tradition were you before you became Catholic? I was Baptist, Timothy. <laughs> well, you know, people have all different ways of coming into the church. Some people say that they read their way into the church. Other people had a relationship with someone uh, or read a book. I'm going to assume that given the amount of time that you've invested in studying the life of Chesterton, I'm going to take a wild guess and say that G.K. Chesterton was a part of your conversion story. Well, when you say part of, uh, probably only about 99.8%. I mean, I, I give some credit to the uh, to the church fathers, and I give I give a little bit of credit to the Holy Spirit right. as well. Uh, and you know, it's certainly there were people who, you know, you find out afterwards there are people who are praying for you and praying really for your conversion. And uh, uh, it harkens back to my EWTN days. I remember Mother Angelica saying that uh, uh, you know every every convert is is comes into the church because someone is praying for them. Right. And so. Uh, that's really something to remember. But yeah, it, Chesterton himself uh, really led the way. He accompanied me right to the doors of the church. I never could have imagined ever beginning to think about becoming Catholic if I hadn't been under his guidance. So now what was the first Chesterton book that you read? Well, the first one I read is probably one of the most difficult and one of the most important of all Chesterton books. Uh, it's The Everlasting Man. Okay. And it's the book that uh, brought C.S. Lewis uh, to Christianity, uh, right. so in, in a way responsible for his conversion, although his conversion wasn't completed during his lifetime, uh, but it really brought him to, to the faith from uh, atheism. And, and the great line that uh, C.S. Lewis said, a young man who's serious about his atheism cannot be too careful about what he reads. <laughs> uh, Isn't that the truth? Yeah, Stay away from so- Chesterton. Uh so as a as a evangelical as a Baptist, uh, I was a big C.S. Lewis fan, and you know, knowing that what an impact that book had on on C.S. Lewis, uh, that's kind of what helped lead me to to pick up uh, Chesterton and start reading him. And I realized in short order that uh, that I had graduated from C.S. Lewis. <laughs> it was uh, he's really Chesterton's much much broader and deeper, but uh, it takes nothing away from C.S. Lewis's greatness as a writer. Well, now, let's talk about books that bring people into the church. You've written a book called All Roads, Roman Catholic Apologetics, and this is a book that maybe will help someone come into the church themselves, or maybe it'll help you uh, talk with someone about the faith. Give us just maybe a two-minute synopsis, 30-second synopsis on that book that we're giving away today. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, I, you know, the the book begins with my own conversion story, but then it it really takes on all the classic arguments uh, against the, the the Catholic Church that come from all directions, whether it's from atheists, agnostics, uh, other religions. Certainly, a lot of the Protestant objections to uh, to the faith. Uh, the the point being that any subject you talk about at all becomes an opportunity to defend the faith. There's always a Catholic perspective yeah. that will shine light on it, and it's, it's a, really a way to evangelize. So there's short, uh, short chapters, very accessible. Um, and uh, and I, as I say, I, 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 use, uh, I use Chesterton generally to, to help me uh, defend the, the faith, but I'll, I'll sometimes call on the Church Fathers, and 
when I'm really uh, desperate for material, I will use Holy Scripture yeah. to uh, to defend the faith. <laughs> well, let's give it away. Uh, get by Google. You're going to need it. Uh, and then, of course, you can give me a call, 918-928-KPIM. That's 918-928-5746. You can leave the message, the answer, on a comment on social media. That's facebook.com slash step outside the walls, or on Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And Dale, you're going to give us the question today. Yeah, well, it actually comes out of the book, uh, All Roads. Um, there's a chapter called The Pope's Message to America. And in, in his message to America, he, he warns uh, Americans to, uh, to not become, quote, followers of novelties, mm. unquote. Followers of novelties. That's what he warns them about. So the question is, here's the question, which pope... Which encyclical? Which Pope, which encyclical warned against becoming followers of novelty? Uh, give me a call, 918-928-KPIM, facebook.com slash step outside the walls or Twitter at outside the walls. First person to give me that answer and we will send you the whole book free of charge just like that. Now, if you can't get in first, if you're not the first call, it's not too late. There are other ways to get the book. Uh, you can get that book over at chesterton.org, a brand new book from Dale Alquist. Dale, thank you for being on the show today. It's my great, great pleasure. God bless you and the good work you do, Timothy. Thank you. You as well. I want to take a moment and remind you that if you missed part of the show, you can still catch it. We archive these in a podcast, which you can get on iTunes, which means if you've got an iPhone or similar device, there's a little podcast app. You just type in Outside the Walls, and there you have it. All the episodes will be downloaded for you as they come up. Otherwise, if you use some other podcasting program, you can get that feed over at outsidethewalls.podbean.com. We'd love to have you as an ongoing listener. Uh, maybe if you listen through the whole show and you say, you know, I really want to hear that show again, you can go back and find them. We've got all the episodes archived all the way back to the beginning. And the best way to make sure that you never miss an episode, other than setting your alarm and making sure that you have the time set aside to sit down and listen to the radio right where you are. Uh, which I certainly encourage. I want you to listen in the car. I want you to listen when you're driving. I want you to uh, set aside the time to sit in your favorite chair, kick back and listen. But if you want to make sure you never miss an episode, maybe you're on a trip, uh, you're going outside of the broadcast area, have no fear. Just subscribe on iTunes or on your podcast uh, streamer, whatever that is, and make sure that all of the episodes are downloaded just like that. And if you want to help support the show, well, your gifts are tax deductible. You can donate to us over at our website, www.outsidethewalls.com. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. But if you don't want to wait a week until you talk with us again, join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. And on Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Your conversation keeps me going all week long. So pop on over there and let's chat. Next week, we're going to be talking with Tim Staples about his brand new book, Behold Your Mother. We're going to be giving away a copy of that as well. You're not going to want to miss it. Tell all your friends and tune in right here. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.